episode 65 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. A little bit of a late record this week. Kind of got fumbled up with some other work. Uh, the show's going to come out in normal. One of the reasons I'm saying that is because I'm look, looking in right now, tuning in a little bit live, if you will, on Lakers nuggets we'll get into the nba playoffs in the second half of the show guys a bit of a bittersweet i'm, I'm saying this half jokingly i'm not gonna go but you know we'll get into some knicks we'll get into some some nba playoffs it's the normal stuff on the show this week but a bit of a somber open to the show and it's not you know i, I shouldn't i'm joking when i say that and the reason i'm saying that is because there's so many bad stuff going on right now and it's you know we, we got to have some room for levity. I was going to start a segment. I, now, if you guys, for those that listen to the show week in and week out, you may know what I'm talking about. You may not, because this was a little thing that I threw at the end of one of the shows, maybe like two or three shows ago. We're planning on doing this. I didn't end up doing it, and I didn't because I forgot about it, <laughs> to be honest with you. And now, I can't do it. And it was... We had, a, we had a story at the end of a show that Charles Oakley was going on Dancing with the Stars. And this was, we, I, was gonna, I was suggesting to turn this into a weekly segment where we check on how Oak is doing. And then I find out the day before this week's show that Oak's already out. He's already done. And... I was crushed. I I mean, I, I I really thought we could be maybe getting a little bit of a run out of this. Um, disappointed because apparently I think, and let me, I got an article here to confirm this. I think that Charles Oakley is the first elimination of the season, and that was disappointing to hear. Um, apparently, it wasn't an easy decision according to the judges, but he survived, or I should say got eliminated over Carol Baskin, who was, I was told awful. I didn't watch any of it. Like I was, like I wanted to. Um, I'm absolutely distraught that Carol Baskin survived over Charles Oakley. That's a sin. It could end up being a crime. That's a joke, but that's actually could be true. Um, (laughs) For those that have watched Tiger King, for those that haven't, you might want to get up to date on that one before I uh, give you any more on that. But yeah, guys, I was going to make this a whole thing. I was going to make this a whole, we're going to have music, we're going to have an open, we're going to have a segment, like we did with the last dance. But it turns out Charles Oakley's dance has been danced. It's done. (laughs) And he's out, man. I'm so disappointed. Listen, I hate, I don't like the show. I think it's a dumb show. I don't watch it. But apparently, a couple of my friends do, and they were tuning in for Oak, a couple of Nick fan friends of mine, and they were like, man, did you end up doing that thing on the show? Did you end up doing the second? I was like, oh, no, I didn't do it. And then he was already gone. So I wanted to give a little bit of a post-mortem on that. I, I, apparently, a few of you were semi-interested in the idea. I'm not surprised that you know, I didn't get positive, total positive feedback on this. But disappointed for Oak, I have to say. We love Oak around here on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. We know you guys love Oak, uh, no question. But if you're a Nick fan, you've got to love some Charles Oakley. Disappointed 
that he's out so early in the competition. Um, also gutted that freaking Carol Baskin stays another week. I mean, oh my God, it would have been amazing if she got booted the first week. But I guess it's another tough blow for for someone involved with the Knicks. Uh, but I wanted to get a little lighthearted to start just because it's been a tough week um, in our country yet again. Um, also because, to be fair, I, I was just disappointed we didn't get to do this segment. So that was the other reason I wanted to clear that up because a few people did reach out about it and ask. There is your, uh, <laughs> there's your uh, show open explaining why we did not do the Charles Oakley Dancing with the Stars segment on the show and now he's out so you have no reason to watch the show anymore uh you shouldn't be watching because of carol baskin because she could uh very well be a criminal so uh i'll leave it at that i uh, can't say much more than that to be honest we don't know mu- we don't know enough about it to comment further on that it doesn't matter really so it's one of those things where we'll just leave it at that um and you guys can make up your own mind on that we don't know for sure obviously just want to make sure that that's well established but uh, rest in peace to Charles Oakley's dancing career, and uh, we move on from there. Maybe if another Nick gets on next season and we're rolling with the podcast, maybe we will dive into it then. But for now, we put Dancing with the Stars in our rear view, and we move on to some more pressing Nick's news. Nothing big this week, as you can tell by the fact that we're leading with a segment that we ended up not doing. But in all seriousness, uh, just a lot of interesting little notes that have been uh, put out there about the Knicks over the last couple of days. And, you know, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on the NBA playoffs in the second half of the show. It looks like the Lakers are up uh, in game four by 11 at the moment over the Nuggets. Lakers have a two games to one lead. I'm watching that live as I do the podcast just because of the late recording I had to do uh, this week. Uh, you guys will obviously know the score already, and we'll get to the Heat Celtics series as well. The Dennis Smith Jr. stuff actually kind of piqued my interest this week. According to the New York Post, Dennis Smith Jr. is hoping for a change of fortune by changing his jersey number. And Dennis Smith Jr. is going to wear number four, according to to an NBA source, to the New York Post. The reason that it's number four is because that's the number he wore while playing college basketball for a season at North Carolina State, and he's going to go back to that. 22 years old, remember that. Still a youngster, was number five, I think, if memory serves. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, you guys. I think he was number five last year, and now he's number four. Obviously, you know, I, I wouldn't... To be honest, I, I wouldn't knock a Nick fan that didn't know what Dennis Smith Jr.'s number one. He hasn't played. He has not been around the team a lot during the last year. It's been tough to, to keep track of him uh, just because of some of the stuff that's been going on in his life off the court and his injury problems as well. Um, but you know what this makes, me, makes it seem like is that it looks like they're, they're going to give Dennis Smith Jr. another chance next season. Um Again, you know, you never know with, with the draft and, and things coming up. But this, to me, says that the Knicks are, are going to give Dennis Smith Jr. another run next season with it. Um, that, that to me, is interesting. I, I don't think many thought we'd be saying that. I mean, it was certainly a possibility. I'm not saying it was totally um, out of the realm. But 
with the fact that the Knicks here, and we'll get to this in a second, are pretending or pretending, potentially trading up in the draft, you thought that maybe he could be a piece to work out and possibly do you know to complete a deal potentially to move up in the draft or move down in the draft. So it's a weird one, but you know, obviously. Tom Thibodeau is going to have an opportunity potentially to work with Dennis Smith Jr. That's a positive. He is only 22. Another positive is, you know, time is on on very much on Dennis Smith Jr.'s side. I just thought that was really interesting because when you look at what he's brought to the team over the last couple of seasons, you know, not a ton. You know, listen, he played just 34 games last year. Averaged five and a half points and I think three assists, two point nine assists per game. Yikes! I, I mean, but again, consider the injuries. Consider I lost a family member last year as well. It's not a great time right now for Dennis Smith Jr. He's going to have another shot. It looks like next year, and we'll see how it goes. But this one piqued my interest because, you know. It, what's it going to look like? Can he make that next step, right? I mean, can we get a glimpse of what we thought we were going to get from Dennis Smith Jr.? You know, I don't know. It's really going to be interesting to see what Tom Thibodeau can do with him defensively. And more importantly, I think the Post article says this really well, and it popped up to me as well when I was reading the early parts of some other articles about this. Dennis Smith Jr.'s point guard play, you know, decision-making, being able to run the offense. He's only 22 years old. A lot, lot to improve there as well. And again, right now with Alfred Payton, Frank Nilekina, and then hopefully one or two others to come through the draft, the Knicks could have a nice group of guards potentially next season if they get the draft right for Tom Thibodeau to work with and improve some on the defensive end, others on the offensive end, and maybe put together a nice group in the backcourt that can really help grow with a young core. That's the plan, right? That's the good part. That's the the positive. So we'll we'll see. It, it's an interesting one, obviously. But just, you know, that piqued my interest. Very curious when I heard that and read about read about it. Just thinking, oof, I wonder what they're gonna do with him. What what's what's he gonna look like? You know, what's Tibbs plan, you know, to make him better? That's gonna be interesting to see, right? Because again, if it's Mike Miller, you're thinking, oh, okay going to be the same guy, not sure what we're going to get. But when it's Tibbs, it's more of a, well, well, what can he do? You know, maybe he can improve him. Who knows? You know, that kind of opens things up. Same with Julius Randle. It seems like that's kind of been the news with him recently as well. And the hope from what I've been reading this week about Julius Randle is, is that, you know, Kenny Payne, coming in you know having that Kentucky connection uh, it could be a very big situation uh, to help Julius Randle reach his potential and, and again there was some rumors that the Knicks might trade him you know there, there could be an opportunity for that to happen um, obviously by the way Kenny Payne has a great relationship with another former Kentucky player that's on the Knicks and of course that's Kevin Knox So you're hoping that those two situations could potentially get better and their games could follow suit. The Kenny Payne thing is interesting. And I think I mentioned this when the Knicks made the hire 
Kenny Payne is not only a great recruiter, but he's also a great developer. You know, it's, it, it's no secret that it takes more than just John Calipari to recruit and to develop at the machine that is Kentucky men's basketball. There's a reason Kentucky has pumped out as many stars as they've had over the last decade. You know, from John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins and Eric Bledsoe all the way up through this past year's class with Emmanuel Quickly and others. You know, Bam Adebayo, certainly another. Tyler Hero uh, just made a, a fantastic contribution to the Miami Heat the other night. Jamal Murray, who plays for, you know, the Denver Nuggets on the other side of things. Anthony Davis. The list goes on and on. Kentucky players have filled and starred in the NBA now for for a decade under Coach Calipari. You know, it's almost every team, I think, has got at least one or two Kentucky guys. I'd have to check that. But it seems like everyone... Devin Booker, Phoenix Suns, another Kentucky guy. Now, Now, again, not all these guys have been with Kenny Payne. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that Kenny Payne's been a big part of this machine under Coach Calipari. He knows these guys. The hope is, at the professional level, that relationship can help nurture the development of Kevin Knox and can help Julius Randle take the next step. Maybe get these guys back on track a little bit, more specifically with Kevin Knox. I think we saw some good things at times from Julius Randle. Listen, I got frustrated watching Julius Randle play last year at times as well. I'm not saying he was the star the Knicks needed. He clearly was not. But on a team where this goes right and this project moves forward like it's supposed to, you need depth on the roster at some point, right, to make the playoffs. Julius Randle's a great third or even maybe a second option, potentially, in a couple of years. When Tom Thibodeau potentially puts this together, Julius Randle's only 25 years old. He's got five NBA seasons under his belt. And has a lot of room to grow, potentially, on a team that, again, could get better over the next couple of years if this front office does what it has said it will do. And that is built through the draft while also getting some good free agent moves and possibly a trade as well. So, again, they didn't map that out like I just said it, but what I'm saying is they plan on building this roster and putting together a team that will make the playoffs. Julius Randle can be a part of that. And Kenny Payne being there by his side could have huge, huge rewards for the Knicks. For Kevin Knox, I see it a little bit differently. I think this is probably the big last straw kind of a thing for Kevin Knox. If he doesn't get better with Kenny Payne here, you know, what is that going to mean for his future going forward? You know, I don't know. It's a tough call. I I feel like this is a huge season for Kevin Knox. I feel like we say that almost every year that Kevin Knox has been in the NBA. It's a big season for him. He's got to show that he can take the next step, be more aggressive, and get better as a basketball player. We just haven't seen it. And I think that maybe with Kenny Payne there, this could be a good opportunity for Kevin Knox to really step up and get better in the NBA. You know, again, Julius Randle had 15 points and 10.4 rebounds as a freshman at Kentucky, right? He showed in school 
that he could be a really good player. And, and he was on a Kentucky team that was a late bloomer. It was a late-blooming Kentucky team that didn't really turn it on until the conference tournament, and then Julius Randle and company took over and really kind of blasted through the NCAA tournament. I think they made the Final Four that year as well. So it, it was one of those things. And then, you know, listen, this past year in the NBA, Julius Randle has, you know, basically a 20-point season, 19 and a half, nine rebounds, three assists, showed what he could bring to the table. And, and, and again, room for improvement, definitely there. Decision-making, I think, for him is a huge thing that he really needs to work on. But he could be a part of this. I think he's one of the few that can on this team. Kevin Knox is, again, it's a tough one. He's, what is he? I think he's only 21. He's 21 years old. He's going to be 22. Actually, sorry, he just turned 21. Um, about a month ago, a little over a month ago, we expected a lot more by now. Now, listen, he was the ninth pick in 2018, but when you look at his last couple of games of the season, not much to show for it besides the 12 against Atlanta did barely anything over the last week of the season. And I, his career numbers even were not even close to being matched in a season where it was kind of open for him to possibly get in there and get some minutes. And the fact that he averaged 17.9 minutes per game when he normally averages almost 24, it's a big red flag. That's a big red flag for Kevin Knox, in my opinion. Almost every one of his statistical numbers is down from his career numbers. In some, in a pretty big way, like points per game is down three points per game. Rebounds down a point, free throw percentage down four points, stuff like that. Minutes is the big one, down six minutes per game. That's a big drop-off from season to season. So it's a tough one for Kevin Knox. It's This has kind of been a tough season. Can a fire be lit under him? And can we see the Kevin Knox we were expecting when the Knicks drafted him back in 2018? I don't know. I, I, I'm not quite sure on that one. I'm really not. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, a quick update just for myself, really, because we're going to dive into the NBA coming up next. Fourth quarter, it's tight. You guys already know the score of this game. Lakers-Nuggets. It's only a three-point game. Very interesting to see how that one wraps up. Quick news, just NBA news, um, a quick one, because we're going to really dive in. Actually, you know what? We'll save this for the second half of the show. Let's, let's, um, you know, you know what we'll do? You know what we're going to do here? I'm going to tease, because I don't have enough time to talk about this last Knicks story in this segment. We went kind of deep into the roster here for the first half of the show. So I'm going to tease this. We're going to dive into a trade that's been proposed by Bleacher Report. For the Knicks to get LaMelo Ball. Does it make sense? Can the Knicks do something like this? What should the Knicks do? We go back to those three options. And we'll dive into the NBA playoffs. Celtics Heat. Lakers Nuggets. And more. It's all coming up next. On the Shock Shock Knicks podcast. On the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.
All right, guys, second half of the show. I, I, I didn't quite get to that last topic. If I had, we would we would have went over for the first segment. We try to go 20 and 20 around here when we have a normal show. Obviously, sometimes we go over because of the, the amount of topics. It's one of those weeks where not a ton's going on besides the NBA playoffs. But this Bleacher Report... Nick's trade proposal was an interesting one. And I thought I thought it was worth mentioning just to kind of get the conversation going as to what the Knicks could possibly do here with this NBA draft. Apparently, Golden State recorded reports focused on prospects outside of LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman. Not sure how true that is. That could just be trade jargon. For all I know, but apparently uh, Denny Avgia, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right, but he's one of the foreign players in the draft. Apparently he is being preferred over LaMelo Ball by Golden State. And apparently that could open up the chance, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, of a trade down from the Golden State Warriors. Who would want to trade up? The Knicks would want to trade up, and apparently the Knicks are very high on LaMelo Ball, so why not? Why not put them together, right? Here's the projected trade for the Knicks to move up with in the draft. So there's the Golden State option. Actually, now that I look into this, there's a couple more that I saw that I might mention as well here that are pretty interesting. I think we talked about one of these... Um, a couple of shows ago, if not last show, now I'm starting to forget, but basically the Knicks um, would be exploring the trading up here. Here's the trade with Golden State. The Knicks would trade the 8th pick, the 27th pick in this year's draft, that second first round pick, and Dallas's 2021 first round pick, along with Frank Nilakina to the Warriors for the second pick. Now, some of you are probably thinking, if you listened to the last show when we talked about this, you're probably thinking, I think this was, by the way, this is from Jonathan Wasserman. That looks like an absolute rip for the Knicks to take. We were looking at some that fit on the draft, uh, the uh, trade generator that were a lot more favorable than where the Knicks would get maybe even a pick back, maybe even a player back, pick and player back, stuff like that. This looks like, here's everything, Golden State, and give us that two pick. This was more along the lines of what I thought the Knicks would have to do than what we talked about last week. This trade, going into, for me, going into a potential situation where this happens... This feels like more along the line of where the Knicks would have to go to get LaMelo Ball. I think if they had to trade with Golden State, this is probably what you're looking at. Golden State's going to want a lot because they threw away this season because of injuries and they got a good pick in the end. The draft lottery night went well for them. They're expecting to really get a lot for this if they trade down. So you got to, again, the Knicks have to ask themselves that question. Is LaMelo Ball the answer? Is he going to be the franchise point guard for the next 10 years? If you think so, you make the deal. And if you don't, you come up with something else. 
So, I mean, that's the deal. And at the, at the moment, the Knicks really like LaMelo Ball. That's for the, what the, the reports seem to be leaning in that direction. Another option could see the Knicks, again, this is all from the Bleacher Report, from Bleacher Report, I should say, trading away Mitchell Robinson, Reggie Bullock, and the eighth pick to the Hornets for the third pick and Malik Monk in return. See, that one I think would be a deal you look at if you're the Knicks. And I think maybe, you know, if you're a Knicks fan listening to this and you're thinking, all right, you know, we we're, we're, we get the third pick in the draft and we get a player that, by the way, the Knicks almost took uh, a couple of seasons ago now, I think. Let me, I'll have to go back and check. Um, I think it was 2017. Malik Monk, by the way, another Kentucky product who, you know, again, had an underwhelming season in 2019-20, no question about that. This is a guy that, you know, didn't quite live up to the hype last season, but has shown that he could be good in the future, and he's only 22 years old. And for Kenny Payne, again, if you want to go down the Kenny Payne route, another guy that Kenny Payne could potentially help develop. So it's a tough one, right? It's one of those things where, you have to look at all the options. That's a deal where you look at it and you're thinking, all right, the Knicks get something back. You get the guy you need in the draft. Or you think you're who's going to be your guy in LaMelo Ball. And then you reassess from there. And I think the one thing that I like about that pick the most, or sorry, that trade scenario the most, is the Knicks keep that second first round pick. That could be crucial in this draft. It really could be. The Knicks could really use getting three draft picks. You want as much talent from this draft as you can possibly get, I think. Unless you trade them for, again, proven talent. But you trade up, you keep that other pick in the first round, and you get the guy you want in the draft that fills the position you need on the roster. That's already smelling like a B draft. I mean, the Knicks have not had too many of those. But it's looking like a potential A draft as well, depending on how you use that second first round pick. That's on the way to an A draft. And I can't remember the last time the Knicks had anywhere near close to an A draft. Let me tell you something right now. So I I think that if the Knicks were to do something like that, again, this is all speculation. None of this is being rumored. It's just putting the pieces together within the reports, basically, is what that is. I'd be interested no question about it. I think the Knicks trading up looks more and more enticing. It's just about finding the right deal, figuring things out, and then seeing when you want to pull the trigger. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So I, again, it's been a slower week of Knicks news, but I did want to touch on some of that before we dive into more of the NBA news. Before we go into the playoff stuff, and I, and I am going to touch on both series, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals and the Western Conference Finals, both of which we'll be looking forward towards a Game 5. By the time you guys listen to this podcast, the Chicago Bulls hired Billy Donovan earlier this week. And this one definitely caught me off guard. No questions about that. Definitely out of the blue definitely a a hire I did not see coming. We expected the Bulls, even, I mean, from probably Christmas on, we expected the Bulls 
to have to do something here. Because Jim Boyler was not going to last the season. No question. And they fired Jim Boylan. And they go to, to Jim... Uh, sorry, excuse me. They go and they hire Billy Donovan. I think it's a great hire for the Bulls. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think when you're looking at the situation here, my thought was, oof, maybe the Knicks could have had a shot at Billy Donovan. But with the draft coming up, they had to do something. So, And you can't, you can't know that Billy Donovan's going to leave the Thunder. I think that's where I came back to. I was like, who knew that Billy Donovan was going to leave the Thunder and go take a much worse job at the moment? In Chicago. Clearly Billy Donovan wants to make his mark. He wants to go to a big time market. And he wants to rebuild this franchise. And more power to him. You know, more power to him. I think that not enough coaches take risks in the NBA. This is a risk for Billy Donovan. He's got a great job right now with OKC. And as long as they don't trade Chris Paul, they're going to be good next year. So, who knows? Maybe he knows something we don't. I don't know. I think he probably wanted the challenge. And he's thinking, we're doing it. I'm going to go all in right now. And I think that he's thinking, I want to make a mark on a big-time franchise and win a championship with a big-time city. I think it. I, I think it's... I think for him, it makes a lot of sense long-term. And I, I think it's also interesting when you look at the fact that there's some young players on this team, just like the Knicks, and maybe it's a similar situation to, to Tom Thibodeau. You just want a, a, a different challenge in some regards as well. Although, again, to be fair, for both of these coaches, that you know, the goal is still to win a championship, no question about that. But to be fair, this is also a Bulls team that underachieved. You know, they were looking to, to, to make the playoffs last year. Didn't go well. And they're hoping that the team next year is going to be good enough to make the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting. Billy Donovan, obviously, great career at Florida. Had a fantastic time with the Thunder. And now he's hoping to do it with the Chicago Bulls. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think it's a great hire for the Bulls. And we'll see if it works out for Billy Donovan. But definitely wanted to mention that. Definitely a big big news-worthy note from the NBA this week. All right, let's dive into the Lakers-Nuggets series first, just because it's actually going on right now. We'll get through that, and then we'll talk about the Celtics and the Heat to wrap things up this week on the show. This series looked like it was done. Um, after game two, I have to say, I, I, I thought that with the way the Lakers played in game one, I thought game two was a pretty big opportunity for the Nuggets to get even in the series. And when Anthony Davis just absolutely clinches the game at the end with that incredible shot, uh, with the win on the line, he knocks it down. To give the Lakers a 2-0 lead. I, I thought it was done. I really did. I, I didn't think the Nuggets would get up off the canvas. I, I thought that that... Was, uh, yeah, I didn't think Denver would get off uh, up off the canvas. I thought that might have been the knockout blow. I, I really thought Denver was going to win that game too. And we'd be looking at a really interesting game three. 
But it turned out that the roles would be reversed, and the Lakers pulled it out. They won it at the buzzer with Anthony Davis's incredible shot. And then it's Denver who comes back, and they land a blow in Game 3. Had to hold on, uh, I have to say, uh, in Game 3. Um, they came out. They were the better team in the first half. I thought they they, they kind of put. I thought they they put LA away in the in the third, but the Lakers came back in the fourth. Uh, despite a big comeback, though, Denver holds on and wins by eight to send it into what we're at right now at the moment is in the middle of a big game four uh, against the Lakers. Right now, I've got looks like it's six forty four to go in the fourth, and the Lakers have a ninety six to ninety two lead at the moment over Denver two big things I think for the rest of this series regardless of who wins tonight I think I think whoever wins tonight obviously is in the driver's seat potentially in this series I think if Denver wins they've got a big chance of going on and winning this series and I think if the uh, the Lakers win I think they might just win it in game five but I love the way Jamal Murray's played in this series I think Jokic has been good for the most part but there have been moments in this series where he hasn't been up to his best Certainly tonight, Dwight Howard's been big in Game 4, watching it on and off during the podcast. He's had some big buckets. He's gotten some big offensive rebounds in this game as well. So I I think you look at that. I think you look at the performance of Anthony Davis. I think going forward, no matter who wins this game tonight, that's the difference in this series. I think it's if Davis versus Jokic, whoever has the better night, I think is more likely to win the game. So they're kind of the big... They're kind of the two that make the difference in this series. I mean, tonight, another big night for Anthony Davis. Another big night for LeBron James. So far, he's close to a triple-double. You look at the, the, the Nuggets side. Listen, Jokic is having another big night. Not a, not a huge night, but a good night. And Jamal Murray's having another big night. 26 points. And, and, and Michael Porter Jr., by the way, is chipping in off the bench. That's been pretty big for Denver during this postseason run as well. So I, I think in this series, the bigs have been huge, nope, no pun intended, um, in determining who wins the games. Um, because again, you know, as good as LeBron is, as good as Jamal Murray is, those two are, you know, Jokic and Davis have kind of been the two X factors in the series. So been a little disappointed with guys like Paul Millsap, excuse me at times, who's not been big in the series. Gary Harris has been a little up and down for Denver as well. I think Kyle Kuzma has been a little hot and cold for the Lakers in this series as well. You know, I think Danny Green has kind of been a little off at times as well for LA throughout the series. He's been good at times. I think times, I think tonight he's only got three points, but he is plus 12. So defensively he's doing his job. So I I go back and forth with it. I go back and forth with these guys, but it's one of those things where the series has been good. I think if Denver wins tonight, that can only be good for the for the postseason going forward. Only good for this series. I think Game Five obviously then becomes crucial. But I think if Denver wins, I actually kind of think that they might go on and win it. I think if they get back into this series, I think the Lakers will will regret it. I think they could win this series, and the way they've been playing in the bubble, I wouldn't put it past them to come from behind and win the series. So. I think if the Lakers have a chance to win and finish this game off, they're up by three with 546 to go. They better take it because I think Denver could go on and win this series and possibly the championship, by the way, as well. So 
Definitely intriguing moving forward in that series. I'll wrap things up with the Celtics and the Heat. Very interesting series so far. I think it's been the better of the two, despite the fact that um, at the moment, it looks like it's going to be Miami going on to the NBA Finals. I have to say this, that for the time being... um, when you look at, you know, obviously factoring we still have at least one more, if not two or three more games in this series, the games have been very close. Um, I, I, I think all four games could have gone either way. I'm uh, sorry, all five games uh, could have gone either way. The Heat kind of pulled away in game one. They stole game two in a way in overtime. Kind of grinded it out, or I should say, uh, I should say, grinded it out the win in game one stole game two and then the Celtics kind of put the heat it felt like in their place at times in game three although the heat almost came back and won game three so keep that in mind as well and then the Celtics almost came back and won game four but the heat made some key free throws late and won 112 to 109 and the heat are 11 and 0 all time in the postseason went up three games to one Celtics I think have won twice in their illustrious history when they've been down 3-1. I don't know if this Celtics team is made for that. I think this was a Celtics team that needed to be up in the series to win it. I don't know if they can pull it back. Listen, we talked about him earlier in the whole Kentucky spat. Bam Adebayo has just been unbelievable in this series from his immense block in game one, which basically saved the Heat's chances of winning that game. Um to his just beastly performances on the glass and down low in the paint. I think you look at where Bam Adebayo is as a player. He could have a monster season next year. No question about it. By the way, the game four hero, no pun intended, was Tyler Hero. He was fantastic. 37 points, um, which I believe was a, a record for a youngster in the NBA playoffs. I'm not sure exactly what the record was. I have to go check on that. That was, the, that was one I missed. Um, in preparation for the show, but I believe it was it was a good it was a historic mark for him to score that that amount of points. Remarkable. He was huge and was the reason they won Game Four. It, it's really been crazy to see how well the Heat have played in the bubble. They've only lost two games in the postseason: once in this series to the Celtics, and once in the series against the Milwaukee Bucks. Just a huge tip of the cap to what Eric Spolstra has done. I think many people are talking about the talent on this team. Others are talking about the culture. It's a combination, guys. This is an easy one. It's a combination of the two. It's Pat Riley. It's Eric Spolstra. And the guys that they've brought in to be a part of this project have bought in and they've pulled through. I mean, that's just how it works in the NBA. And I think if the Heat go on and win this series... They've got every shot to win the NBA championship against either one of the two teams from the West. And I think the two reasons for that are their their ball movement on the perimeter, the way they look for the open man, that's huge. And the second part of that is their defense. It's so difficult to break down, and the pressure they can put on the ball handler is really impressive. And, And I think that that stands out when you look at the Miami Heat's success during the postseason so I look at those two things that's what stands out to me 
about the Miami Heat. I think they'll win the series. I think they won't blow it. I think they're going to probably win it in Game 5, if not Game 6. I don't think this series goes to a Game 7. And I think we'll see the Miami Heat with a third group in this generation uh, under Pat Riley. The the, the Wade-Shaq team uh, of 06, then the big three of Wade Bosch and LeBron, and now the Butler-Hero-Adebayo group uh, of this latest uh, iteration of the Miami Heat are a win away from heading back to the NBA Finals. So the way they put a really good Celtics team in their place at times in this series uh, has been impressive. And I remember saying it before the postseason started, if there was going to be a dark horse in the East, it was going to be the Miami Heat, and they have pulled through. No question about that, and they're one win away from representing the Eastern Conference in the bubble in the NBA Finals. So we'll see. Uh, obviously a lot still to be determined um a game still needs to be won by Miami to get them over the hump and we'll see if they can pull it off that's going to do it for this week's podcast thanks as always for listening make sure you keep up with the podcast on postingandtoasting.com shock shock nicks podcast is where you go for that there and you can also go and follow me on twitter at sj7 for more enjoy the rest of your week and i'll see you guys next time on the shock shock nicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.